It's all things MMA. It's the last all things MMA for 2020 as well. Ken McGuire is my name, joined as ever and as always by Miles Price. How are you, sir? How are things? Hey, Ken, how's it going? Day's going really well, dude. And yourself, have you got all your Christmas shopping done yet? If, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's no, no, there's no point okay. in lying about it. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I, no. Trademark Ken is Christmas Eve doing an absolutely kind of mad dash into Kilkenny and going, uh, yeah, sure, look, I, I just need to get one or two little things. And then you open the list in your pocket and you realise one or two was actually 17 or 18 uh, and it's, it turns into a big scramble. I love the, I love the, f- the festiveness of of it all but uh, man you don't need to be heaping that kind of pressure on yourself every single year but I never learn I never no. learn I think that's just a man thing you know I oh, yeah. to leave oh. it all to the last second I, I'm I, this is a good year for me I got half my shopping done today so oh well done you yeah I've been well behaved for Santi this year Jamie, Mac, okay, you're kind of miles ahead of the rest of the country. No, um, pun, but no it, pun intended there, was no. there? Or was that intended <laughs> oh, no, that was completely <laughs> accidental. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, while it has been, you, you mentioned 2020, and it, 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 yeah. has been, uh, it has been a bit of a kind of a mixed bag uh, of a year. And for, for today, we wanted to take a look back at a, at a couple of things that have happened and just kind of spitball how, how the year went. Because to be fair, nobody saw... 2020 going the way 2020 has gone in in combat sport or any other sport or business or just kind of life in, in general. general yeah uh, if we go back to if we go back to to the start of 2020 and we're keeping MMA in mind and we start off with the UFC one of the big fights of the year um and it was supposed to be the start of a fight season for uh, Dublin's Conor McGregor uh, entered the cage against Cowboy Cerrone uh, and made very light work of him. I thought we were going to get a bit more of a contest. It was it was quite the it was quite the the statement to make at the start of a year, expecting three or four fights, um, and then and then it never happened. Um, how uh, let's let's go right back to January. What what did you think at that stage? Uh, he's getting back in the cage. He's teeing up this big year, and then as things unfolded and the arse fell out of everything uh, mixed martial arts for the most part um how, how did you see 2020 going um i'll be honest with you i didn't really have any expectations of 2020 you know um it was like it, it, i don't think anybody really knew what way it was going to go or if things like even just the mma scene like if shows were going to go ahead or they weren't yeah i i have to say like as much as i you know have my opinions about how MMA and certain promotions are run, like, you know, including the UFC, obviously. Uh, I feel like that pretty good job of keeping it together. In fairness, like, I mean, they, they very much ran as smoothly as you can, like, throughout, yeah. you know, you know, the whole thing, really. I mean, fair play. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been a curious one. I know, like uh, for yourself, you would have been in you would have been due to be involved in the kind of the Bellator events that were yeah that were set to take place in Dublin. All of those were uh, all of those were scrapped. Yeah, Yeah. we've we've talked about the UFC side of things before. They were they were quite um, they were quite quick in in getting their stuff together. Maybe Mm -hmm. maybe more so than than other promotions. Do do you think that it's had? and we, we'll we'll kind of look at some of the some of the results and some of the fights that have taken place over the year. Do you do you think that the that the change in scenario, the 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 lack of crowds, uh, everything else like that has has played into certain results or certain fighters or certain promotions? Uh, oh, most definitely. You know, um, I think the likes of Bellator and UFC, they've done quite well. You know, in fairness, like you know, they've still been able to run shows and stuff like that, and they've. Mm. they've a really great job like you know but i mean it's definitely had an effect on the overall i think when you're watching on the telly you know in a way like for me i think it's great because i just want to watch the fight like i don't care about the atmosphere of the crowd or anything like that you know yeah. what i mean i'm just focused on studying whatever match particular matches i want to watch like you know because of whoever it is i could learn from you know so yeah like, I mean, from a fan's perspective, I definitely feel like it probably would have an effect, like not having a crowd there, especially for massive fights, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you see, like, the, who is it? There was no crowd. No, there wasn't any crowd for Habib and 
and Gaethje showed a massive. You no, know there, I mean? there was just, there, I think there was a very small kind of select royalty of of Abu Dhabi type of thing and and production heads sitting. Yeah, in probably buying. Probably them fact them feckers are probably paying a billion <laughs> for a seat. They have stupid money to play around with them. Less there's, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of money out there, right? Um, I know we're 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 uh, we're, we're going down uh, lots of different tracks at the one time, but you you mentioned something interesting there. You you watch the fights. And you've been watching the fights this year to to study them and mm. see what you can learn from them. Maybe it's not something that we've totally touched on before, where like I'll watch fights as a fan, mm. see what's happening. And yeah, I have like a, I'll have a very kind of basic knowledge of, you know, if I go back to the jujitsu side of things and I look at, oh, okay, so that's how that's worked and that's how that's put into play and put into practice. But when, when you're watching when you're watching other fights as a fighter, you've got a different take on things. You've got a different angle on things. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a different learning and understanding of it. So what, what do you watch for in a fight? Because there, there's obviously the fight fan part of you as well that wants to see what happens when two athletes go yeah. at it. But from yeah. a technical point of view, what, what way are you watching fights? Um, well, first off, I think it's really important to do. <clears throat> there's two ways to study uh, for your martial arts. Um, a lot of guys use systems where they like, you know, if you look at like some websites, I think what's the big one, the BJJ fanatics or wrestling fanatics or or BJJ scout on YouTube, etc., or MMA scout. Like all these type of ones are extremely good educational videos mm. and systems, and you know that's what they're there for, you know. But what um. <clears throat> So that's one way to take things on board. But the second way is to watch guys live and what they instinctually do throughout a match, you know. And the other side of it as well is that a lot of top-level coaches aren't going to um, do an instructional about something that they're just working on because they have to let it, they have to see what it's like in live competition. So if you want to be a little bit of a step ahead and focus a little bit more on um, watching live competitions and taking notes like like on fundamental things and setups and how somebody particularly moves to set somebody up to cut them off in an angle or how they set up a jab and how many times or what their read might be from their opponent before they follow through with another certain trademark technique you know mm. and that requires kind of watching things over and over again and then pinpointing what they what they're doing and then you might even take on board what your what their coaches are saying as well are they repetitively saying something that's repetitively doing well in a competition and then would that be across the board of a couple of fights you know what i mean so and that's probably the better way to do it in my opinion i like looking at systems too a lot of my students like looking at systems and video tutorials etc but Um, I like a bit of both. I love getting direct instruction <clears throat> of what's worked, what's, and, and obviously it depends on who it is. Like everybody has different styles of instructors they like to watch. But, you know, in my opinion, if you want to be like ahead of the game, then you need a bit of both and a particular focus on the live stuff because, you know, that's the stuff that's working now in yeah. the moment, you know. And when that works and when it's been achieved and, and our coaches have seen that it's worked loads of times and people have a demand for learning what that particular style was, then they'll make a DVD about it. But then it's gen pop; everybody knows about it. So if yeah, you want to be yeah. a little bit ahead, you have to watch live videos. You know? Well, with with the live side and with the live side and kind of going back to the lack of crowds, one of the big things that we've been able to see from from the the TV point of view, be it UFC, be it Bellator, be it Cage Warriors, is that the the lack of that audience buzz means that everybody is now hearing. The corners and they're they're hearing the corners during the fight and they're they're hearing whether it's mark henry with his uh with his mad uh you know uh color-coded combinations and secret passwords and everything else that's being roared out or whether it does actually do that doesn't it? <laughs> you know yeah. if if you hear like a kind of a 42 blue uh left right left and you you know it could be anything at all but then you you get into mm. people that are, are way more kind of uh traditional and you're you're hearing the fighter being coached kind of move for move or situation for situation have you have you seen or 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 picked up on anything or or have you been aware of of fighters maybe over over the year who seem to be well in tune with with their corners as as a result because now you can hear like you can audibly hear for for three rounds or five rounds 
the instructions from the corner and then yeah. see that played out. Whereas before we, we may not have had that privilege. Um, some fight, see, this is something that I use as an advantage when I'm competing as well. I like, um, especially if somebody is like a robot hmm. where <clears throat> they actually do absolutely like a lot of SBG and John Kavanagh's fighters are very much like that where he, if he, if John goes show the head kick, you're almost guaranteed like one or two seconds later, they're going to show the head kick, you know? So, um, it can be used against fighters too. So I, I can see why people use code, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the way I'd like to see it as well, though, is that, you know, if you build an awareness with your athlete in regards to like, look, I'm not going to make a code. I'm going to tell you. And then I know that's the right decision, but it's up to you to instant inst- instinctually do it with the right timing at the right moment. Yeah. Don't be a robot in the sense of throw it the second I tell you to throw it. Do it when the timing is right, you know? Hmm. So I can see where the code comes in, you know what I mean? And the code words, et cetera. But, you know, either, either or if, if you teach them to use their instincts and just take it on board and, and see if it works in their own way, that's probably a better way of doing it, you know? And a lot of fighters in the UFC do listen to their corners very well. And some fighters that needed it, like I think Justin Gaethje probably needed to listen to his corner a bit more. And that's yeah. what increased his game, you know? Like, he didn't get to Habib. He's not at Habib's level because he's yeah. tiny. I, I think because of that, I think that fight was just, like, one of the major factors for me is that Justin was just absolutely tiny compared to Habib. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> so, like, for, from, from a physicality point of view? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like, it Justin looked like a featherweight, you know? Wow. Uh, it was it was actually one of the one of the more interesting matches because Gaethje had, Gaethje had a pretty good... Uh, he had a pretty good Jerry. He had a pretty good run of things. He had that, like we yeah. got to see that fight against Tony Ferguson, yeah. um, which was which was crazy. But that that kind of comes back to 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 uh, probably back to the corner side of things where you you've got you've got to listen, and now you're being told, you know, actually, if you slow it down, and you focus yeah. a little bit more on on what's happening in the moment, and you're aware of that, as opposed to trying to go out and and wear the head off somebody and. Uh, and kind of move move through things at pace that it can have yeah. that it can have a, a lot a lot better uh, a lot a lot better in terms of results. Um, yeah. uh, Khabib and Gaethje, uh standout fights for you over the year? Because we we've 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 talked it we've talked a good bit and we started this back in in uh, in June July time. There's been there's been a lot of water under the bridge. I remember we we'd yeah. reflected on uh, on the the uh, UFC 249 to 50 side of things, Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. Uh, I think we had started back at, at that stage. That was the same night that Francis Ngannou walked through uh, Rosenstrike with, with kind of terrifying knockout side of things. Cody Garbrandt made a, made a good return to the win column, getting that knockout that just seemed to come from, you know, back against the cage. He, yeah. he dips low, he goes for the right hook and was um, ripples poor us and so... Was Covington and Usman this year? Uh, I think Covington and Usman was late last year. I think that was the kind of one of the closers for. That was one. Of, uh, that's one of the ones that pops to my head that I thought was just great. I thought um, that was a brilliant fight. Uh, Usman, it's it's kind of funny. Like when you when you go back through it, it was that was actually. Do you know what? That was this weekend last year. Mm. Yeah, okay. that's how that's how far back that was. That kind of tells you where 2020 is at. Like we've we've watched the whole string of fights from 2019. They seem like they were yesterday, and it's very possible. A list. Were, a, a list of good fights. Do you know? Get a do, list of Ken. I do have a list of. Get it up, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do have quite the list of title fights that would have started at uh, UFC 247 and then worked the way all the way up to 256 last weekend. 247. Yeah, get that up there, and then in the meantime, if you ever watched the. Uh, have you ever watched that video of your man Jamie on going on to the Joey Diaz podcast show? Did you ever see that? No, no. Where your man Jamie, <laughs> Joey Diaz started like, you know, just handing him these like, you know, ridiculous stars that have like THC levels through the bleeding, you know what I mean? Through the sky. Like he was, <laughs> he just gave him one of these stars <laughs> and he was absolutely in a hoop for about six hours. He never, he never like took marijuana in his life. He was absolutely in comatose dribbling all over the place and Joey told oh, no. him they're only light yokes you know he's a bollocks 
uh, and he'll never do that podcast again. Uh, <laughs> title fights. We had a couple of, we actually, do you know what we've had? I can tell you here. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. There's been 19 title fights in the UFC Whoa. Uh, over the course of uh, 2020. Valentina Shevchenko. But, uh, I think she's had a couple of fights this year. She's had two anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in February, uh, cleaned out uh, Caitlin Chukagan in the third round. The first big kind of uh, title fight was the same night. It was the main event, UFC 247. John Jones and Dominic Reyes. Reyes came close, uh, but no cigar. Uh, then we got into the flyweight side of things. Uh, Figueredo, uh, who would go on to become the flyweight champion uh, uh, against Joe Benavidez. That could have been for the interim side of things. Uh, Zhang Wei Li, who I don't think we've seen since UFC 248, uh, took on Joanna Jacek. Yeah. Which was, a, which was a pretty good fight. We saw, we mentioned uh, Henry, Cur- uh, Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz, uh, Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson for the interim lightweight title, which turned out to be one of the proper really really good fights of the year I, how Tony stayed in it as long as he did uh, I don't know and that that kind of begs another question I know I was kind of jumping ahead but we had Tony Ferguson fight um, at the at the weekend Charles Oliveira yeah yeah and he just looked like a man who didn't have an answer for anything I'm very surprised I think that I, like Charles kind of had that hype he's been carrying that hype since he came into the UFC at, he when has, he was 20 yeah. You know, yeah. he's 31 now when he's coming into his prime. A lot of top fighters come into their prime now in their mid-late 30s, and then they retire pretty quickly in their 40s, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that seems to be what's happening in the UFC. That's where it's kind of gone these days, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you get, like, the super freak young lads they are a bit younger, but, like, I mean, they don't do as well against the experienced older guys. So, I mean, that's a scary athlete coming in 10 years, 11 years experience in the UFC, and now... And now like this, he's on, he's yeah. on to that next level. Yeah, and he's like he's he's one of the guys that I'd really like to study. I like watching him for sure to take notes. I just think he's technically extremely sound, you know. Yeah. He's just everything he does is just is just right. And yeah. he fits the frame of the lightweight division very well now. And I think Tony has a lot of uh reflecting to do, you know, because Tony like, you know, he's figured out now, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And his morale is down. Yeah. Like I mean what he really needs to do is go away, like think about what he needs to work on. And, and he also needs to think about, because he can't just throw away his game. Like he's developed the skills, certain skills that make him very dangerous from the last, I don't know, 10 plus years of being pro athlete. So like he needs to just really work, work on the stuff that's not playing well for him at the moment. And I mean, he kind of looked like he got outworked in every department over the weekend, you know, like he 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 didn't have an answer at all. No, like I, there's nowhere I saw that Charles wasn't comfortable. You yeah. know, yeah, it's it yeah. it it makes have having seen how Tony was fairly dismantled by Justin Gaethje, and it probably should have been stopped. I thought at the time anyway, it probably should have been stopped. Maybe kind of a round or two, yeah. uh, a round or two earlier to see him come back uh, and put in the it was not a half not half hearted, but he just looked like a man who was who was stuck. I'd be curious to see what he does in in kind of twenty twenty one. Going back to going back to the title fights, uh, we were treated to uh, we were treated to Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky, the featherweight side of things. I think that was their second twist. They had gone late last year. Oh, I as thought well. Max took that for you. Uh, yeah, split decision in the wind up 47, 48, 48, 47 twice after five rounds. Uh, and then you had uh, Usman and Masvidal was this year. And Masvidal, we thought, was going to be on that, that kind of big bounce again. I know you had called it at the time. It was like, Usman is just going to do a Usman side of things and it's going mm-hmm. to turn into a snooze fest. Yeah, kind of turned into a snooze fest over yeah, five rounds. Yeah. And there, there was not, <laughs> I think no, Usman, Usman's a good. He's a good champion, but he's born. He's not a fan favorite, is he? Really? Yeah, but from from the way division's been like that for a long time, though. Yeah, it has. But from like, he's a, a great champion and is boring, boring for the fans. But if we go back to the to the earlier part of the conversation, if you're looking at Usman from a technical point of view and from a fighter's point of view, is there a lot that you can learn from watching Usman? Yeah, one hundred percent. Tactically, very sound. It's hard to beat somebody that's very well rounded like that. You see, you know. Yeah. 
Like he's ta- he's he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he's determined. All around, he just ticks all the boxes. Like he's very, he'd be very hard to beat now. In fairness, you know. Okay. Well, uh, like from a from a fan's point of view, not really, you know. Yeah. I don't think. Um, the big one, uh, which we previewed, it could have been August, maybe. Mm-hmm. I want to say August, but now I got to click this to find out if it was August. It was. It was the fifteenth of August, uh, in Vegas. Uh, Stipe and Daniel Cormier got to go uh, and complete their trilogy oh. for the heavyweight title. It happened one and one. Horrible. And then it turned out to be a, a fairly unanimous decision for Stipe in the end of it yeah, all. Yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were so disappointed at the time. God damn it. Do you, do you it's, still... just a, it's just that you just feel good. Like, uh, like I, I'm not very close to DC, but I do know him. Like, and we have bad and stuff like that. And he's a great guy. Like, you know, and he's very close to my friend Kyle. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, it's like, you know, his last fight. Yeah, yeah. You'd like, you'd like can't to feel too him, sorry yeah. for him. He's a multi-millionaire. But like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, though. It means more than money to him. Like, you know. I know. Uh, we're we're kind of we're kind of close to the end of the list of the the, the title fight side of things. Jan Blakovich and Dominic Reyes. So this happened when, uh, this happened when uh, Jones decided. Okay, I'm gonna go to. Uh, I'm gonna go to heavyweight. Which yeah. we'll probably see happen in in twenty twenty one. Well, we may or we may not. Uh, yeah. So Lukovich, uh knocks out Reyes in the second round. Reyes, who had looked so good against John Jones earlier in the year, looked like Tony Ferguson did against Oliveira uh, last weekend. He just looked like a man who didn't have have an answer. I don't know whether it was the the occasion or he'd been carrying something going into it. Uh, and then we get into a couple of crackers: um, Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. Could have been the yeah. snooze fest. Could have been. I think. I think at the time you might have said it was going to be the snooze fest, and we'd see it play out over five rounds. Uh, and then it it kind of changed. Costa just wasn't the Costa that everybody was expecting. Uh, yeah. And Izzy had a chance to to be really, really technical and really tactical. Uh, pick his shots and ultimately finish him in the in the second round. Um, yeah, I feel like I think Paolo Costa just didn't execute a very good game plan. Like you, you do need to go in with a game plan against Izzy. Like you know, he's like he's that good, really, isn't he? Like yeah. I mean, like you're not going to just like it. Just looked like he he was just taking way too many leg kicks, wasn't he? He was just yeah. standing there and just thought he was going to out tough Izzy. Well, the fact of the matter is that you got to put him on the back foot fast. You got to take him down if you can fast. Yeah, like that's the way you're going to be him. But that that, that goes back to handling somebody who's who's very clearly become a, a great all rounder. Okay, right. I got one for you here now. Okay. What about um Poirier and Hooker? I thought that was one of the Oh ooh, interesting. Not that title fight, fight, but that was that was that was an interesting one. Because uh, because yeah. Hooker Hooker has had a pretty Hooker has had a pretty good year as well, and yes, I don't know indeed. was was Hooker Felder this year? Uh, Hooker Felder was this year as well. Hooker Felder yeah. was, was this year. Well. Actually, that was early. That was back in February, and that was an absolute ding dong. Uh, well, that was out in New Zealand as well. I'm looking at I'm looking at the topology best fights of 2020, okay. and that's number that's number two. Oh. What have mm. we got as number one? Yang and and Joanna. Oh, okay. Mm. For for the strawway title. Yeah. Yang Yang wins via split decision, yeah. March yeah. twenty twenty that was. Yeah, yeah that yeah, that goes back to that. That's the last one. I didn't saw see that fight. Was that a good fight? That was a good fight. But again, yeah. that was well, it, it was it was a split it was a split decision, but I, I I think when we were scoring it uh, elsewhere that not an awful lot of it went in Yuana's favour at all. Mm. Um and I don't know if it was a case where she was gonna take that time and, and reflect also in terms of in terms of what happened. There'd been a lot of there'd been a lot of the kind of the back and forth and the the trash talking and the aggressiveness and the abrasiveness of the whole lot and then when mm. when push came to shove, um, Wei Lee just looked so so good on it. Uh, Poirier Hooker, I missed. What I missed. 
Oh, that was a serious fight. I know. Uh, that was, and I, I'm, 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 fair, I'm fair, I think I missed it anyway. I remember, I remember. Uh, who like Felder now, I'm just like, now Felder, Felder, and sorry, it's just here. Felder and Hooker was number five, and Poirier and Hooker is number two. Yeah, so that's Hooker's it. on a double, double. He's just been exciting fights. That yeah, he has. In fairness, he's he's had a really really good matchup uh, for this year. Poirier and that fight, and it has Ferguson and Gaethje as number three, which I'm not yeah. surprised by. That was a great fight. It was it was fight of the night that night as well. That was a good payout uh, for for Dustin. He picked up three hundred grand. Uh, for the fight and another 50 uh, for fight of the night bonus mm, that's good it's not bad some, some good money to be made in there Poirier is going to be back Miles against um, Conor McGregor and I think oh, that's yeah. where that's where the hooker side of things the, the win over hooker has teed him up uh, in uh, the win over hooker was in June has teed up um, yeah. the whole McGregor side of things it's booked for the 23rd of January. Actually, there's going to be a there's going to be a couple of busy fights. I think uh, Hamzat uh, Shimeyev is due to fight Leon Edwards earlier that week as well. Oh, so, oh they've rescheduled that fight, have they? I think I think that's the plan. I don't know if it's been made official, but I had seen uh, before we started. I had seen the twentieth of of January, which yeah. would be a midweek side of things. Um, but the twenty third of January looks set to uh, be Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier two. It's six years since they first met. Uh, mm. I'm pretty sure, I was, I was doing up some notes on it yesterday, that uh, where he is, he's had 13 fights since. Yeah. And he's come out on top in pretty much the majority uh, of those fights. Now, I know he, he worked his way, uh, he worked his way through the uh, interim lightweight side of things. Uh, the fight against Eddie Alvarez, he had the fight against oh. Habib, obviously didn't go uh, his way, like yeah. anybody who was fighting Khabib, but never really goes the way that they're, they're, they're planning to. McGregor had been in and out and in and out. He had the, the couple of wins after Dustin took the time off to go boxing, uh, came back for the Habib fight, took two years off, came back for the Cowboy fight. It's now been another year out of, of at least out of the competitive side of things. You know, the training never stops and the, the preparation never really stops. So yeah. the two of them, the two of them are very different fighters to where they were six years ago. Yeah. And it's going to be a very different fight to what it was six years ago. Yeah. Six years ago, McGregor was coming into this thing. The, the hype train behind McGregor was so ridiculous that he, I'm fairly sure he was like heavy favorite on the betting side of things coming in to face Dustin, who'd been knocking around for years and had some mm. really good names under him. It was the early kind of rise for McGregor. He'd been in the UFC, what, maybe a year? ish at that stage you'd had maybe two two three four fights uh under the promotion um and he had he had called the fight as it was gonna happen and it was all done and dusted inside um it, it was all it was all done and dusted fairly quickly and dustin didn't really know what was going on he's redeemed himself absolutely over the last uh yeah. over the last couple of years and uh I, I all round like I just I have so much time for him. I think he's he's uh, as as a as a fighter. I think he's one of the best in the promotion and has been for years. As a human, he just seems like such a nice guy as well. Yeah. You know everything that he, everything that he does away from the fighting. We've spoken a lot before about leading that martial arts lifestyle. Yeah, I think Dustin is one of those guys that that. 100% falls into that category. But when they meet, and they will meet in January, there's nothing on the line. Um, how do you think it's going to pan out? I think it's going to be a tougher fight. Yeah. But I think Connor's going to end it probably the same way, personally. Really? I think so. I think he's going to I think he's going to knock him out in like the third round. I think wow. third round. I just feel like that there's too much on the line. When you put somebody like Connor's back against the wall where he has to win because his legacy is on the line. Yeah. He won't lose. And the UFC won't stick him in in a fight like this. You know what I mean? Where yeah. the UFC need Connor to win this fight to make more money off him in the next fight, which will be sure. probably a title fight. Yeah. They're not going to throw him into a fight where they feel like it's too much risk. They'll have their stats done on that, you know? And even like in general, just from my my opinion, I feel like that 
Dustin just has not got the style to beat Connor. You know, he just hasn't got that. The only way Dustin is would be able to beat Connor is that if it goes past the third round, and he starts walking him down with volume punches like like Diaz. Yeah, and he keeps his distance and range in check, and Connor isn't as dangerous anymore. And Connor is notoriously, no pun intended there, <laughs> starts to gas out past the third round like he usually does because he is a fast-twitch muscle mo- motion fighter. Like, he'll come out, he'll knock you out in the first round, or he'll start failing in the third. No matter how fit he is, that's the way he's going to always fight because that's how he's how he's made. Like, like I'm not like that. I haven't got a huge amount of uh, knockout power, but I can go five rounds if you ask me to. No problem. Yeah. You know, I'll be able to drop you to the body and all that stuff. No problem. But, like, I mean, like, that's the way I feel like it's going to go. The Connor's probably going to knock him out in the third because he has to. There's too much on the line. His personality just will not, like, he'd rather die than lose this fight, I think, you know, because there's so much on the line, you know. Like, this is, like, you know, who who even really, like, took in, took on board that Donald Cerrone fight? Like, I mean, he's made, anybody that's that knows anything about the MMA scene knows that Donald was made for Connor. Made to get knocked out by Connor. He's just, yeah. he'd be a tough fight against 99% of people. Connor, atrocious. Anyone that's comes out hard, comes out fast, like Masvidal, he's fucked, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that this fight, Dustin will beat up 99% of people, but Connor's one of those 1% that he's just going to have his number every time. Fingers crossed, that's not the case. I'd like to see a good fight. Okay, well, that's uh, probably not where I thought that that the that the turn was was going to go. So if that if that's the case, what does that look like? Um, uh, not not to bang on the McGregor train too much, but what does that look like? Well, we're in, Irish. It'd be weird if we didn't. Uh, true, true, true. But what what does that look like in the wake of the Dustin fight? So if he picks up a win in uh, if he picks up a win in January, you've got Justin Gaethje that's waiting there in the wings. I think Tony Ferguson has now kind of talked himself out of of getting back into that kind of title frame of mind. So if Gaethje is there, uh, assuming of course, and I know we like we'd had um, we'd had Javier Mendes on a few weeks ago, and we'd asked Hav, what's the story with Habib? How retired is he? And he's like, okay, let's. He said, I I, I can't tell you except for the fact that. He's still in the USADA testing pool. He's still being tested. Yeah. Uh, if you are still there, there's an element of fair play involved and you're obviously not retired because you keep that side of things in in case you need to return to competition or in case you're going to return to competition. Yeah. So it's it'll be the, the storyline and the saga that's dragged out over the whole end of the year. And then obviously there's going to be some kind of crazy amount of money that's thrown on the table somewhere for 2021. And... Are are we looking at the the possibility of uh, McGregor Habib, or is it like okay? Do you know what? We'll see. We'll see McGregor Gaethje maybe, and see see how that plays out. I honestly, I honestly do not think that. I've said this loads of times before. Look, I I just know Habib. Like he's not ever going to give Conor a chance to, to lose. Like, and that's what it is. Like you see. Habib is not stupid. Like, yes, he probably beat him nine times out of ten. Like, he is just Connor's kryptonite, and he just is, and he always will be. Terrible yeah. fight for him, terrible. But Habib is humble enough to know that he can get knocked out by Connor. And would he give him that opportunity? Fuck no, would he give him that opportunity. No way. He just would not. Would he give the opportunity to Dustin Poirier? Yes. Would he give it to anybody else? Yes. He'll never give it to Connor ever again. He'll let Connor go to the grave with that. That's that's fairly that's fairly concrete. I kind I kind of expected it that way. I I don't think anybody who's I don't think anybody who's looking at kind of thirty and zero or or you know cementing legacies or or anything like that would would put the risk of the sheer level of trash talk and everything else that will come with it. Because that's a, that's all it will be. It won't be a case yeah. of, you know, oh, listen, it was a good fight yet. Yeah, sure, look, we'll do it again. It's like, 
no, because now if you go to do it again and the stakes are even the stakes are even yeah, higher. If Habib comes back, he's fucking making some he's doing some big legacy fight or something. To me, okay. 30, no, it's not going to be against Connor anyway. So let's say let's say Habib doesn't come back and let's say we have a fairly open lightweight side of things then at one fifty five for twenty twenty one. We've got Dustin mm-hmm. and Connor that kick things off in January. Connor takes that for argument's sake. Mm-hmm. Gaethje is kind of waiting in the wings. Mm. Um, and we we see the possibility of a turnaround maybe three four months later. Could you see Conor McGregor being lightweight champion by yeah. s- by springtime? Yeah, I can see Conor being the lightweight champion again for sure. And if he does, is there a case for defending the lightweight title against uh, Habib? Well, oh, that's a. Do you really think? Do you think? Do you think that? Do you think Habib would care enough about money to do that? No, but I think Habib. I think Habib. Honor would. I think Habib would look at it and go, "Okay, so he's not. He's not retired. He's still in testing, but he has relinquished the title in a little bit of kind of a John Jones side of things. Yeah, And, and then you get McGregor in the champion as a spring, and then Habib comes back and goes, "Well, I know this guy can't beat me." Or yeah. comes back with that mentality and goes, I'm just I'm just coming back to pick up this title. This is mine. Yeah. And I'm 30 and 0, and it's another title win. And it just goes to show you that you just you will not be there is that. Now there is, there that, is that. There is that. There's no there's most definitely that's there. Of course yeah. it is. Like, you know, if Connor wins, there's the money, there's the 30 and 0, there's the legacy. Yeah. I just feel like he has bigger fish to fry for 30 and 0. I yeah. feel like that. Go up and have a friendly fight against your manager's other boy there, Kamara Usman, a welterweight. Oh, Take yeah. his title. Now you have two titles. Now you've conquered two weight divisions. You've done yeah. what everyone else has done because that's what everyone is doing these days. Yeah. And you've already beaten Connor. And it just means way more, doesn't it? If he went yeah. up and he won a welterweight title and like he has two titles and the 30 and all, like that's cement then. You know, yeah. he's above everybody else. Like nobody has ever done that. If he does that, well, like, is he the best of all time now? Because he's twenty nine and oh, and he's a lightweight champ. Probably not, you know. Probably not. Yeah. And that's unfortunate to say because that's just the expectations of the greatest of all time thing. Like the greatest of all time argument is very vague. I mean, yeah. we're just always going on speculation as to what it is. Yeah. Like, it's like you're you're the greatest stats. of all time of the current week. Exactly, and then yeah, next like, week I mean, it's a different. It's a different. Like thing. I mean, how many? Ta- I, I'd love to get a euro every time Joe Rogan has said this is the greatest fight of all time. One of the <laughs> all time. I mean, fuck, every weekend he says that. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so champion potential potential champion by uh, potential champion by springtime. If that was the case, I'd be curious to see what happens. This, the fight season that was supposed to take place for twenty twenty that gets him that gets him two fights in. There's always the carrot of uh, a Nate Diaz trilogy fight with enough money on the table. Yeah, oh, that's but, a good. Yeah, Connor's going to do that. Of course, he is definitely. Yeah. For twenty twenty one, we're going to see a couple of other things. So, uh, we're going to see John Jones move up to heavyweight. Yeah, uh, and see what happens. Whether whether it's straight in for a title shot against Stipe or not, uh, I don't know. We're going to see Israel Adesanya move up to light heavyweight. Yeah, and go after uh, Blakovich for that title. Um, we had. Uh, who else was talking about moving up? I think there's a lot of moving up. I think there's a lot of guys that are looking to get on that that kind of two title train fairly quickly, uh, and and spark a lot of two weight class champions for for next year. Mm. Excited by it? Yeah, I'm excited by it. I feel like that. Uh, I feel like John Jones is probably going to. <sighs> it's so hard to know, isn't it? Like, I mean. John Jones fashion, I think that he's going to probably take the title. Like I can't, it's hard to it's hard to deny John Jones, isn't it? Like, you know, really. Like it is, so, it is a little, yeah. It it's so hard. Like he's 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 such a perfectionist in what he does, like, you know what I mean? And he just he covers all bases. Like it's part of who he is, like, you know, like he's definitely he's obviously undefeated, like, you know, like yeah. whoever 
who who would be the one that would sanction the um to take losses off records? Is that the is that the Nevada State Athletic Commission? It would be them, wouldn't it? Uh, I suppose. What, oh, you're talking about having having that the loss. What was it? An illegal Bahama. strike or the 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 elbow? Yeah, like he's undefeated. Yeah. Like I mean, that was just he was just destroying Matt Hamill that night. You know, so I think that he could win. I think he's. If I had to place a bet on it, I'd say that he would be the heavyweight champion by next year. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Okay. And Adesanya in terms of light heavyweight. Not as not as confident about is he going up to light heavyweight now? Like I mean, John Jones is pretty seasoned with high caliber fighters, not just in the current age, but in the previous decades, like yeah. the legends. Like he's ta- he's taken out the best fighters that of our era. You know what yeah. I mean? At the last one, <laughs> like is he is relatively new to the to the scene? Like in a, in a way, like you know what I mean? Like yes, he's very accomplished. He's an amazing athlete. He's a great fighter. He ticks all the boxes. Um, personality-wise, he's very likable. Personality-wise, yeah. I don't particularly like his personality, but I think that he's very likable for fans, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I feel like though when he gets up, like like Jan is huge, isn't he? Is it just me or is he? Massive? No, he's he's big, he's he's big guy. Yeah, he's huge. Like, yeah, he's like he's. he's he, I think I think he's a Polish muscle. Like. Yeah, I think he's awkward as well. I'd say, I say that I. Silly not to take him down, really, like, and use his size, like, you know, because if you stand there in a striking match with Izzy, like, it, it doesn't matter if you're a heavyweight or a lightweight, like, it's striking, striking, you know. Yeah, I, mean? I think Dominic Reyes found yeah. out that the, the hard way when they had their when they had their title fight. Is there anything particular that you would like to see matchup wise for 2021? Anything that you've gone, God, you know, I'd love to see these these guys go at it, whatever, whatever promotion, whatever competition. Oh well, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Habib and Kamara Usman. I think that's the fight I'd like to see okay. most. Yeah, I think that's a huge fight. You know, yeah. and I'd like to see Connor and Connor and Habib. I'd love to see that again. <laughs> I would. I'd love that. Just to see if it's going to be any different. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd love to see that. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. And John Jones and Israel Adesanya. It'd be great. Oh yeah, we did. T- we did talk about that a couple of weeks back. That was that was that was that involved Jones having to go to heavyweight and beef and, uh, Stipe and Adesanya having to go to light heavyweight and beef. So just before we run out of time, what do you think of? Uh, what, is it just me? Like I didn't look into this now or anything like that, but um, I heard in the pipeline that the UFC were in court with over twelve hundred signees about um, what was it about? Uh, your man Andrew Yang, the guy who's running for mayor of New York, they were. I think they were. Was it all of them in court talking with the Muhammad Ali act towards the UFC and all? Yeah, this this is this is the class action uh, lawsuit that was being taken uh, against the UFC. Right. So this is going on a couple of years. This is going on four, five, maybe six years. Um, if you read, uh, I think I might have read it on The Athletic. If you read Bloomberg.com, they have a piece that says the lawsuit was six years ago, uh, filed six years ago by former UFC fighters claiming that the promotion company's parent uh, engaged in an illegal scheme to eliminate competition that allows it to pay fighters a fraction of what they would earn in a competitive uh, marketplace. So earlier this week, the green light was given for the lawsuit. If the lawsuit holds up, it might still take years to resolve. Mm. Uh, and uh, if it doesn't, there could be a settlement that's involved, depending on what way the what way the conversations go. Um, but if if the class action suit is successful, there's anywhere between two and a half. And five billion dollars uh, at play. Mm-hmm. Now, now, whether now whether that goes, you know, gets distributed out between uh, the twelve hundred that are taking the class action, or whether it's it's put aside, or you no, know, there's going to be all kinds of costs and one thing and another. But to put it in perspective, the UFC was sold for four billion dollars uh, in twenty sixteen. So there's there's a lot of um, there's a there's a lot of money at stake, but that's a conversation that's really going to be. I think that's going to be one thing we're going to be talking an awful lot about uh, when it comes to 2021 is fighters' rights, uh, and and that's fighters' rights on on every level. That's 
that's pay and compensation yeah. that trickles into fighters to coaches well, it's one of the it's one of, it's one of the acts like about paying fighters like certain level of fighters like set, uh, set. Like, obviously, every contract is somewhat different, you know, but there has to yeah. be a baseline pay with certain experience and certain fights with fighters. like and stuff Yeah, like that. You, you would imagine that. I mean, there was, I think, with the UFC in particular, you get what you, you, get what you sign up for, and people will sign up for it, like being on the devil's advocate side of things or playing, playing devil's advocate. You get what you sign up for. So you go in and you go, okay, well, look, uh, I'm I'm here. I've made it to the biggest promotion in the world. They're going to pay me ten grand. Yeah. But if I win the fight and I go out the next time, they might pay me twenty grand. Yeah. That's cool. And and it'll trickle along that way. You can kiss goodbye to your shirt sponsors and your short sponsors and your fight partners and everybody that's got you through your your kind of amateur and professional career to date mm-hmm. because you'll be tied into your what was the the Reebok deal and is now uh, is now the the Venom deal? So you you mm. get a couple of quid based on your record or your longevity or how many years of service yeah. that you've put in. But when you look at uh, when you look at that that it's it's these fighters, and they'll they'll argue that look the contract is the contract. Uh, when you look at fighters that are performing. Uh, Say the collective wage bill on on for all the fighters is, I don't know, a million dollars on a busy, on a busy non kind of top tier pay per view, mm. um, but that the the gate receipts might make you know you might make ten million quid on tickets, you might make two million quid on merchandise, you might make you know forty million quid in in pay per view buys, but Miles is going in and he's getting his he's getting his 10 grand for being the star of the show. That's it, you see, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not under contract with Belter anymore, so I don't mind saying this, but I only got like 15 grand in my last fight. Yeah. And my opponent got nearly, <laughs> you know, two, two I mean. three times the amount? Yeah, two or three times, yeah, because he's, because of the team he's from. Yeah. You know, and to me, that's just like, that's why I don't. That's why I don't like the sport in a lot of ways. To be honest with you, it is very unfair. Yeah. And I, I can guarantee you that years down the line, like years down the line, we are going to we're going to look back around this time, and we're going to go, wow, look at how mistreated these fighters were. Yeah. Because like boxing isn't even like half as popular as MMA, but they get unbelievable money. I mean, like even my last fight. If I was in a fight like that in boxing, like man, I'd be buying a house out of that money. Oh, and no? and and go again, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, it's a joke, like with the way MMA is being MMA fighters are treated. And the UFC should be fucking ashamed of themselves if I was being honest with you, you know. Like they have absolutely no but that's why they're a cutthroat business, like you know what I mean? Like that's why they do well, is because they are so cutthroat. Yeah. It's like you know, if you think about the Reebok deal, like who won in that deal? Reebok. Get paid. <laughs> well, Reebok and well, UFC won. Like, I mean, what? So the fighters can't make their own money from their own sponsors, which would be the majority of the money they'd make, actually. It wouldn't be a lot of fighters left the UFC because they were yeah. banking on their sponsors each fight. Absolutely. Banking yeah. on fees, like, you know what I mean, yeah. from the UFC. So, and it's just so, so hypocritical from the UFC because. You go in, they get their all their sponsors and their livelihood and their money just swept out from underneath them. And you go into the middle of the octagon and there's a big fuck off Bud Light logo in the middle of it. Like going, well, the fighters can't do it, but we can. We'll mm. make more money. You know what I mean? Like how that's just like such a kick in the face to all the fighters. Like, you know, that the promotion isn't even taking the same stand. Yeah. That they they they're they're taking more like they're making more money and the fighters are making less. That's basically what they said. It's like, here, look, yeah, you're getting fancy uniforms and we're taking away, a qu- like you know, two to three quarters of your overall earnings usually, and we're going to make more. So yeah, yeah. oh yeah, that's it. Like, see you later, whatever you know. Well, then, just to go back on on uh, you've mentioned the boxing side of things and be able to buy a house with it. I'm not totally sure what the. Uh, I'm not totally sure what the the final count on the the prize money. There was no official purses for uh, Anthony Joshua and uh, Kubra Pulev, which was 
this weekend gone. So Joshua wins the fight and he sets up the potential uh, fight with um, uh, Tyson Fury. Yeah. Uh, but it looked like, if uh, according to the Telegraph, that the fight alone would give uh, Anthony Joshua more than $13 million. Oh, my God. Uh, Pulev, uh, Pulev uh, would, as the challenger, would be taking... Uh, four million dollars, but you go back to you go back to uh, when we were talking about Dan or Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker earlier in the year. Three hundred grand uh, towards Dustin Poirier, a hundred and ten thousand towards Dan Hooker. Um, small money, and out of out of that, like out of out of out of thirteen million dollars for Joshua, which is thirteen million dollars that's going to be paid out of you know sponsors and TV and pay per view and everything else. Um, you go uh, out of that once you've got your coaches paid for and your training camps paid for and your team and your holidays and your hotels and accommodation and your food and your nutritionist and your blah blah blah. You're going to be left with an awful lot of money out of thirteen million quid. But if you're uh, if you're Dan Hooker. Uh, or maybe Dustin, because you you got to fly and you got to travel. Um, you put in a twelve week camp. It's going to cost you an awful lot of your three hundred thousand mm-hmm. before you uh, start seeing kind of return on it, or before you start paying tax on it, or before you start doing doing anything else. But it is. It's going to be a conversation. I think that we'll we'll probably be talking a lot more of uh, for and a lot more about uh, for next year. And I'd love to get somebody that can give us. Uh, something of something of the inside inside track. We might try and arrange that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. See what the, we'll see what the, see what the land is. We'll get Andrew Yang on. Why not? We we'll put Why it to, put it to the man himself and go. Can you tell us about your court case, please? Good, <laughs> sir. Good sir. Yeah. And what five billion dollars will do to twelve hundred uh, former uh, fighters? <laughs> see what the see what the story is. Collective bargaining and unions and everything else that comes into play as well. Yeah. Um, so, so there you go, Miles. That's a lot of conversation about uh, about twenty twenty and, and yeah. kind of loose plans for twenty twenty one. The team Rhino Kilkenny side of things, I'd imagine you're you're hoping will be back up and and belting away with classes and new ambitions and everything else have you have you plans in the pipeline for 2021 are you just kind of seeing for the moment how I'm how things are going you know, i've learned i've learned me my lesson about making plans and it's all going down pandemic so i'm waiting until there's confirmation as to when we're out with this all together and for a consistent period of time because i'm yeah. not going to like i'm not going to go plan the stuff for january i mean we all know we're going into lockdown again in january you know so. Yeah, it'll it'll turn things around, but uh, yeah. at least we have we have a bit of optimism anyway, and more more so yeah. than kind of twenty twenty percent. Ah no, forget about that. <laughs> Bad humble. Forget about I hate optimism. Don't want that for Christmas. <laughs> we see you're grand. You've got most of your Christmas shopping done. For those of us that don't have it done, optimism is all that we've got. To you're hang just on jealous. For. You're just jealous. <laughs> I am, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> I am. I'm so. I'm so underprepared. It's not even funny. Uh, well, look. <laughs> on that note, uh, thank you for the the company and the conversation over the course of 2020. We're going to take ourselves a break for the Christmas side of things, and then we are coming back uh, recharged and ready for round two or season two or whatever the hell 2021. Uh, brings us this has been uh, all things MMA I've been Ken McGuire you have been Miles Price any closing words by the way before we before we no it's just been an absolute treat doing this like I love it every week it's just a great little routine jumping on talking about all things MMA like you know and it's like spreading the word of MMA around the around this area of of Ireland it's it's great you know and I hope everybody's enjoyed it and thank you to everybody that's tuned in and I'm looking forward to season two in the new year and super super good stuff well until season two I will talk to you soon uh, you can catch up on Spotify Google Podcasts uh, KCLRFanzone.com which will get a little change itself in the new year but we'll be back to do it all again in January good luck good luck